Uh, We are in a series called Seeking Shepherds, where we are really looking at, and we began this series last week, so if you missed last week's message, I very much, especially if you're a Northsider, want to encourage you to uh, download that podcast or or check it out on Vimeo uh, so that you get the totality of the context of these lessons altogether. The, the series, as we said last week, is really about biblical leadership and what that looks like in the text, in, in the New Testament, is uh, quite a bit different from what you see in other, uh, in, in just in church world in general. When you really work to align yourself to Scripture, um, that looks different than what you see. Uh, you, that looks different uh, than what you might experience in other places. So this is a family series because it's concerning, uh, it's kind of a family matter here at Northside, but it's also a learning series. It's an opportunity to open your Bible and really begin to dig into, well, what exactly does God say about his leaders, those who he would have uh, direct the affairs of the local church? Uh, we are seeking uh, more shepherds to lead this family. Uh, the last t- last week's lesson, the title of that was "A Few Good Men," because that's that's what we're looking for—a few good men, not a few perfect men. I don't think we'll find those, but we're looking for those who are qualified, biblically speaking, who have the heart to serve and who want to serve in uh, in that role. I will not forget the first time I learned about leadership at Northside, although it had nothing to do with elders. Um, I was a, let's see, 22-year-old youth minister, newly hired, and I was directing the youth ministry. And I was kind of getting the lay of the land, learning people and names and personalities and dynamics and all of that. Uh, I, I noticed a couple of things. First, in the youth group, I had a seventh grader, and bless his heart, he wanted to lead so bad. He wanted to be seen as a leader so bad. I mean, he was dressed up. He he always had his hand up when I answered a question. He he always said the right things. He he did the right things. You could tell every event he wanted to say, well, what can I do? Or or he'd even try to, to direct some of the kids, okay, we need to do this or that. But the problem was that though he desired to do that, the other teens didn't see him as a leader. He, didn't, he desired to be a leader, but he didn't have the influence to do that. So that was the first lesson, the, the first time I, I kind of saw this dynamic of leadership. And sometimes there are people who desire to do that, but, but their influence is either non-existent or barely existent. The second The second example was on the other end of the spectrum with the teenagers. Uh, He he was a junior or senior. And he he had absolutely no desire to lead, but he was a natural leader. He had great influence over the group. But oftentimes, his leadership was in the wrong direction. And so that was challenging to the new youth minister. I learned at that age that that leadership, you see, is about influence. And sometimes those who are gifted with the natural gift of influence don't steward that gift well. 
they use it for themselves. Now, this young man eventually turned it around, and, and uh, as I know him today, is a great leader for God. He, he, he began to see himself as God had created him to be and began to use his natural leadership skills in a way that honored Christ and advanced the cause of the kingdom of Christ. Leadership is influence. And that's what godly leadership entails, is that godly influence. Uh, These are the people who impact us at Northside. Ted said uh, this morning, and the, the way he said it just caught my attention. He said, sometimes we take that for granted. And that wasn't talking about leadership necessarily in the context he was talking about, I think, giving. But, but he's exactly right. In, and, and it applies in all areas. At Northside, we, and I, I hate to take, make this confession so publicly, but sometimes we take for granted the good leadership that we have. We, we, don't, we don't understand the work that it takes to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, to, to stand strong for what God says is right and ignore what the world says is right. It, it takes real character to, to tell people things they don't want to hear, to do that in a humble, loving way. And yet because our current seven men and the, the, the men who've gone before them have done that, we, you and I live in a culture of peace and love and joy and unity. That is because of the influence of these leaders at Northside. It also reminds us that we have to be careful as we consider the, liter- the leaders that we, that we seek. If you open the Old Testament and you look through uh, the stories of the leaders of God's people, there's entire books, First and Second Kings, there's First and Second Samuel, that, that record for us the character of the men who were called to lead God's people, the nation of Israel. And some of those kings did that well. David was a man commonly known as a man after God's own heart. He not only was a leader... But he sought the Lord's heart in all that he did. King Saul was a leader. But he he began to to seek his own heart rather than God's heart. He began to seek what he wanted rather than what God wanted. And many other kings followed his example. At Northside, here are the seven men of influence and impact in this family. These are the men that Yes, they surround this table, they, they pray, they make hard decisions, they talk to people, they introduce new people, they introduce themselves, they pray over people going through hard times, they, they discuss the vision of where the congregation is going, they, they discuss the big picture, they are aware of individual sheep, they impact and they influence us, even if you don't feel it directly. They impact and, and they impact us through their leadership, their example, their integrity, their family, their character, and their reputation. And we said last week that um, the biblical word for this, these men are elders. Uh, that's what we call them at Northside. We could also call them shepherds. Um, Peter, as we said last week, was an elder himself. Uh, he was a married man, and he uh, was obviously a man of influence, but he charged his fellow elders of that time and of all time 
uh, to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful game, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Shepherds are godly men, men of influence, who are qualified to lead. They are men with a good reputation, not just here in the body, but outside the body, and a Christ-like influence. When they do it right, it's, it's almost taken for granted. But make no mistake, shepherding is very hard work. Um, just a little insight, the reason it's so hard is because of you, because of me. Sheep, if you didn't know it, can be somewhat stubborn, somewhat challenging, a little bit hard to lead. When you're a shepherd, you have to make hard decisions that not every sheep will like or understand. When you're a shepherd, you have to lead directly and by example, which means from a spiritual perspective, these seven men have a target not just on their backs, but on their souls. Because if Satan can work on one of them, through one of them, uh, work in their heart, then Satan, see, has taken a man of influence and worked his way into the influence in our body. Shepherds have to love the people you lead. If a shepherd or an elder sees himself as a board of directors, I just make the decision and you follow it and that's, that's it. And they have no love for the people over, the, over whom they are making the decisions for. They fail to understand what shepherding is about. But shepherds not only lead the people, but they love those whom they lead like a good shepherd does. That means sometimes shepherds have to gently admonish, sometimes correct, sometimes rebuke. They have to work with those who are straying, those who are rebelling, those who are disobeying. And there will be times when our shepherds will weep when they see a a sheep go off into sin, stray off into the enemy's territory where they will be devoured by the lion. They carry that burden. And, and and our shepherds, as we said last week, they do this all all the same time with their own families to lead, with their own lives to lead, with, with their own uh, things to tend to. In their, but they come here as volunteers and they tend to the needs of the sheep. But if they do it well, and ours do it very well, we're thankful for them, they'll hear, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And they'll hear that from the chief of all shepherds. So when we call these men elders, when we call them shepherds, uh, that's the English language. But the, the Greek language of which the New Testament was written actually has three words. And I, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. And we're going to look at the three words that are rendered elder or shepherd In Acts chapter 20, uh, we're going to look at two verses, verse 17 and then verse 28. And I'll I'll just read that, and, and then we'll talk about the words. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus 
and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And they came to him and they said, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Now, if you don't know where to follow along, this is page 11, 1193 in the Pew Bible, 1193. Now, we're going to go down to verse 28, and Paul's continuing here. He says, um, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I, I realize that even that in the world today, and sometimes you even shamefully hear this in the church world, people say, I love Jesus, but I'm not a big fan of the church, which is, by the way, impossible to do. Because if you love Jesus, and just as Paul says here, you understand that the church was bought with his own blood. If you love Jesus truly, then you love that which Jesus loves. So it's impossible to separate the two, the, you know, the, the, the husband and the bride, the head and the body. But, but Paul says, pay careful attention. Okay, so let's go through this. The first term we have in the Greek is called presbyteros. Presbyteros meaning the term is translated elder. And that simply means an older, more mature person, someone who is advanced in age, someone who's seasoned with life. Uh, I think the message paraphrase says, no spring chicken. Okay? This is someone who is not in their 20s or 30s or even probably their 40s. And I think it, it I mean, it kind of depends on the congregation. If you've got a whole congregation in, in, of, of, of 20-year-olds, then maybe a 40-year-old would seem seasoned. But generally speaking, this is a person who's matured through the seasons of life. And, and it doesn't just speak to their physical maturity. It also speaks to their spiritual maturity as well. The second term is episkopos. It refers to the responsibility of oversight. Now, this week at work camp, uh, there were lots of different roles. There were uh, uh, volunteers and, and helpers and encouragers and all sorts of different roles. But there was uh, usually one or two people on each at each crew location, and they were the crew leader. They would be the crew episcopos. They were the overseer. They were the one responsible to, uh, you know, if you have something going wrong where you work, and all of a sudden people's like, who's in charge here? Okay, that's the, that's the episcopos. That is the person who is, has the responsibility of oversight. It means the one that, that they're giving the attention to, 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 to look at it, to take care of it, to see to it. Drew had that role as, as the work camp deacon. As the, he was the episcopos, if you will, over the entire uh, operation of Wichita work camp. And there was lots of different, but, but he was the one that the elders said, we hold, we hold you responsible. We give you accountability. We, uh, or we'll hold you accountable. We'll, we'll, we want you to be looking at giving attention to taking care of it, accepting the responsibility for it. Um, you know, God forbid that, that something terrible would happen, uh, at a work site. But that would lay then at the feet of that crew leader, or, or that would lay then at the feet of Drew. Uh, ultimately, it might lay at the feet of our own elders. We understand that 
with that leadership, that oversight, comes the uh, acceptance of responsibility, and that's a great burden. So we have elder, one who's seasoned, one who's advanced, one who's mature. We have episkopos, meaning one who is the uh, responsible party in charge. And then we have the third term in the Greek, poimen. Poimen simply means to shepherd or to pastor. If you're used to using the word pastor to refer to the guy who does what I do, uh, I'm not a pastor, okay? I'm a preacher. I, I, don't, I don't meet the quali- biblical qualifications to be a pastor. Now, if you call me pastor, I don't, you know, that doesn't offend me. I know what you mean. But, but technically, it would be our, our seven elders that would be pastors. They would be the shepherds. They are the ones who care for the flock. They shepherd. They feed it. They tend it. Um, shepherds have to lead and tend and feed and protect and herd the flock. When you think about that, um, you, you might consider the most well-known psalm, Psalm chapter 23, in which a shepherd talks about the good shepherd. Now, this is not referring to a human shepherd. We can't use this for biblical qualifications for today. Psalm 23, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay? That, that sentiment is the way, and all the way through, he makes me lie down to rest. He leads me besides. He store, restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Uh, he protects me from evil. He's always there. Uh, he prepares things for me. And from all of the goodness of the shepherd, the sheep reside in a state of blessing. Okay. Now, again, I want to make this absolutely clear. This is not scriptural qualification. You can't just go, well, I'm... I'd like this person to be my shepherd and that person to be my shepherd. We've got to look at the New Testament. But the heart of a shepherd is found in looking at God's example and how, God, or how David described the Lord himself. So when we go back to Acts chapter 20, if we could read it in the, in the Greek, it would go like this. He called the presbyteros the elders, the, the older men of the church, to come into him. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the whole flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you episkopos, overseers, put you in charge to care, poimen, for the church of God, to shepherd the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Do, do we understand that, that, that these three titles help us understand a great deal of what shepherds do. Now, the New Testament gives us several other very specific qualities to look at and look for. So now I want you to open your Bibles uh, or open your Bible app uh, to a couple of past time. First is 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And by the way, I hope you have taken the opportunity. This is page 1270 in the Pew Bible. By the way, I hope you have taken the time and the opportunity, made the time, to read through these texts yourselves and think about them, certainly pray over them, and consider the men who might meet these qualifications. And we're going to read, read it, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, here's that word again, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, 
able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit or fall into condemnation from the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace and into the snare of the devil. Now, turn with me very quickly to page 1276, or Titus chapter 1. You're not using the Pew Bible. Titus chapter 1. I can't tell you how much joy it brings to a preacher's heart to hear the fluttering of pages turning. And I realize some people do it on their app and all of that. But, but that tells me you're engaged in the process, so thank you for that. Titus chapter 1, 6 through 9 is what we're going to read. If anyone is above reproach, let me start verse 5. That's why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. He must be <clears throat> uh, but, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Now, when we look at these passages, and we read them, we realize a couple of things. One, there's a, quite a list there, okay? The Holy Spirit wants us to be very serious as we examine all aspects of a, of a man's life that we would consider to be an elder or shepherd. The second thing is that there's some overlap between these two passages. And so for the rest of the lesson, what I've basically done is taken these two passages and, and looked at the categories, you know, word by word, text by text, and put them into four categories that I think will help us understand these two passages uh, just on the surface. But again, I want to keep these in front of you the entire time. Uh, the first is that the man should be respectable, a man with a good reputation. From the text, we get words like above reproach, respectable, hospitable, well thought of by outsiders, uh, lover of good, upright, and holy. Okay. In other words, when we're looking, when you consider a man, and you might put his name, would his name be a shock or a surprise to anyone at Northside? Would any of that man's uh, Facebook friends or, or Twitter followers or, or Instagram followers or whatever, um, would they be surprised? And say, Man, that that's really sounds weird. That's not the kind of stuff you normally post. Uh, I'm not sure you should be a person of leadership. Okay, that, that's the reputation. That's a person of respect. That's a, it's a respectable reputation. The second is a family leader, a man who leads his family well. The scriptures say the husband of one wife. The scriptures say manage his own household well. The scriptures say keeping his children submissive. Uh, the, his children are to be believers. These all, I kind of point to family leadership. 
Uh, a man who demonstrates he's a leader with those closest to him. The third is a man who is disciplined. A man who's under complete and total control of Christ, who is led by the Holy Spirit and not led by himself. And this is important because there are many good men who are natural leaders, but they lead by themselves. They, not, they are not led by the Spirit, and that's very different. So uh, we got to pay attention. The Scripture says self-controlled, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, not to be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but disciplined. Okay, the scriptures are quite clear that that an elder or shepherd must be respectable. He should be a family leader and he should be disciplined and under the control of Christ. The fourth and last one is that he should be wise, a man who is mature in his faith and who knows God's word and is able to teach God's will. That's important. The scripture says a man who is sober-minded, who's serious about it, a man who's able to teach, not a recent convert, hold firm to the trustworthy word, able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also able to rebuke. In our world now more than ever, that's especially important. Not just knowing the truth, but knowing how to teach the truth and to rebuke falsehoods as they creep into the church, and to do so with love. And That's not easy to do either. Let's drill down a little bit and go through these one at a time. Number one, a, a respectable man, um, a man of respectable reputation. Everyone has a reputation. Seek a man with a good and respectable reputation. Not just you. You, you could ask his friends, his coworkers, his boss at work, uh, someone that he, uh, a, a neighbor, uh, a close friend, would, would any, again, would any of them be shocked to hear that that man would be considered to be an elder? Good shepherds have godly influence. And again, it's not just here. That's important, and that's how we think of it. But it's also out in the world. Um, I've told this story before. One of our former elders, Justin Abraham, is a man of influence. There are many, many people that Justin has stopped with and prayed for by name, you know, in in all different seasons of life. But he's a man of influence, not just because he does that here, but because that, that he's known at the hospital as one of the clergy. Justin can go to you right before you're wheeled into surgery, walk right back there like he was one of the surgeons himself, although he probably... He would agree, thankfully, he's not operating on you, but he is going to battle for you. And none of the nurses, none of the doctors, none of the people who would normally stop anyone going into pre-op, that would normally stop a person, they know Justin. That's influence. Consider well the influence of the man you might select. You might, he might have a great influence here, but, you know, with the... I don't know, people that he has impact on every day. And I mentioned social media earlier because that's just a big one. Um, you know, what a man, how a man presents himself in all areas of life is so, so important because he's not just representing himself as an elder. So pay attention to his 
reputation. The second is, the second quality is he's a man who's a family leader. Now, why does this matter? I mean, I, I know men who are single, who are great leaders. Why, why do you think the Holy Spirit guides and says a, a man must be a leader in his home and have people to lead, wife and children and so forth? Well, what is the point of that? Well, a man's family is the fruit of his leadership style. You can like or dislike a guy, but, but you can know his character pretty much by looking very closely at his wife and his children because you see the impact and the influence that he is making. Now, I can put on a pretty good show for a few hours every week. I can make you think that everything's A-OK in Toby's spiritual life. And if you're truthful about it, you can too. But the people who really know whether you're following Jesus or your spouse and your children, you can't fake that. You, you either are a person of integrity and in private, you lead in this way or you don't. And so the, the scriptures wisely, the spirit points us to pay attention to the wife and the children. The second aspect of this is that shepherding is relational leadership. It's not transactional leadership. It's not just you do this for me and I'll do this for you. That's not, that's not shepherding. Shepherding is relational leadership. To have, and I'm convinced of this, a spiritual impact with someone, you have to have a relationship with them. You have to show genuine love and concern for who they are. Shepherds have to do that all the time. They lead, they influence, they impact people, get this now, over the long haul through the good seasons of life, through the bad seasons of life, even through the ugly seasons of life. Shepherds have to know you, and for them to know you, they have to care about you, and for them to do that, they have to truly love you. The only, the only other place that you find this kind of relational leadership in any other area of life is the family. That's it. That's the only other place. So when you can, you can say, well, what kind of relational leader might this elder be? Look immediately to his wife and to his children. That's so important. The, the text says that he is the husband of one wife. Okay? We've got to know this. An elder, a shepherd, is a married man. Can't be single, not widowed, not divorced. Okay? And, and the scriptures, again, this is all going back to relational impact. Now, just a word here about the spouse of a potential elder. We have to give careful consideration, not just to the man, but to his wife. The man will be a person of influence, no doubt. But his wife will be an influencer of the person of influence. And so we want to, as we consider him, consider her. Is she a person of good character? Is she trustworthy? Is she known to be a gossiper, a slanderer, someone who talks about other people when they aren't around? Is she a busybody? Does trouble seem to follow her wherever she goes? Uh, she, may, she may be, there may be a few red flags. Um, I had a, a former elder's wife send this to me and with her permission to share. 
He said, I've learned that it takes both husband and wife, and they have to be on the same page with the responsibility laid upon an elder's feet, a shoulders. It's heavy and hard sometimes, and confidentiality is a must. Yes, the wife does not have the same responsibilities, but people will come to you asking you to tell your husband this or that to persuade him to do their bidding. When he comes from a tough meeting or or a hard situation, will his wife be at peace not knowing the details? We want men and their wives and families that have some battle wounds, that have experienced the trials of life and have leaned into God and come through it with more compassion, more love, more patience for themselves and others. We need wives that are willing to follow their husband's leadership and not just push or promote their own agenda. I think that was beautifully said. Not something I could say, by the way, because, well, I'm not qualified to be an elder. I'm certainly not qualified to be an elder's wife. Fourth is manage his family well. Did he lead his family to Jesus When his children were under his influence, did they know that Jesus was Lord? And did they see that lived out in their family life? Um, We wouldn't put a man forth who had no children or with very young children because it hasn't had time to see the influence of the impact of his influence. Some men are good men, but they are not leaders in their home. Henpecked husbands, absentee fathers are not likely to be ready to shepherd. And and as we address this, we always must say there is no such thing as a perfect man and there's certainly not a such thing as a perfect family. We're not looking for perfection here. We're looking for influence and we're looking for that to have shown itself in the man's family. So, um, we, we know that God is the perfect father, and look how his kids turned out. They're not perfect. He is. Okay? Again, we're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for the example of godly, Christ-like influence in the home. All right, the third quality is to consider is that he should be a man of discipline, under the control of Christ. All these qualities of self-control and temperate and discipline and not given to wine and not violent, not quarrelsome, not overbearing, these speak to the quality of a man who's under total control of Christ. He's led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. He's led by Christ and not by himself. Uh, If you see this man and you've considered, man, I've seen him lose his temper. He's a bit of a hothead. Uh, I, I, he, you know, he maybe loses control when it comes to food or wine or his flesh or his temper or his greed. These are something, there's part of him that's not under the control of Christ. We're seeking a man who's under total control of, the, of Christ and of the Holy Spirit. He, and again, to say he's not a self-disciplined man, he's a Christ-disciplined man. You can't be self-willed or selfish and be an effective elder or shepherd. 
If this person has a my way or the highway attitude, wrong heart, wrong spirit. Uh, this, this is not a good leader's heart. A shepherd, an eldership is not a place for lone rangers. It is a place for a men who are subservient to Christ and who realize that we're in this together as a team. The fourth and last quality is that the man should be wise. He loves what is good. He's able to teach. He is firm in the faith. He's not a new Christian. This speaks to someone, a man who's wise and well-grounded and mature in his faith. He should be wise and influential enough to teach, and he should also be good with people. And that's, Jesus said to be shrewd as snakes, but to be as innocent as doves. That's wisdom. That's discretion. Not just knowing the truth, but knowing how to teach the truth and uh, knowing your audience and the people that you influence. So, respectable, family leader, disciplined, and wise are the four general categories. With these four things in mind, here's your homework. Number one. Reread 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. I know you read it this morning, hopefully, followed along, but please be reading that at home. Reread again and again the words of Scripture and, and ask the Spirit to place into your heart and to your mind the, the names of the men who meet those qualities. Number two, consider uh, these the names of the men uh, consider their lives, consider their influence, consider their families, and seek respectable family leaders who are disciplined and wise. I'd encourage you to go talk to them and, and share what you uh, believe are, the, the, how they meet these qualities and qualifications of elders, and just get a, a sense of their heart and see if they have a desire to serve, a willingness to lead, if they have uh, this these uh, qualities that the Scripture calls calls for. And then finally, Pray for our current elders. Uh, pray that they will prayerfully select the right men. And pray for our future elders, that they will serve as well as the men who've gone before. Please do not forget, and this will be again out in the foyer, that every week we are encouraging you to submit your questions and answers. Hopefully we've gone through the scriptures. Maybe you've had some questions about elders or shepherds. Uh, if you'd like to know more about that, we're going to use one of the lessons to go through your questions and answer those in a scriptural, biblical way. As we close this lesson on shepherds, may we remember that we have a perfect shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And why did he do that? Because he loves the sheep. So as we consider men of, infl- uh, of self-discipline and family leadership and wisdom and respectability, may we consider most of all their love for the sheep and their love for Jesus. This morning, if you are a lost sheep, if you have lost your way, if you have fallen into sin, if you have, are struggling in some sort of way, uh, we have some shepherds who would be willing to pray for you and encourage you and help you in any, any way that they could because of their love for you. And if you don't know the good shepherd this morning, they'd like to introduce you to him as well. If you have a spiritual need this morning, either to know Christ or to restore your relationship with Christ, I want you to meet one of our shepherds down front this morning as together we stand and sing.